listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Bong Joon-ho! Bong hi! Oh my gosh, guys, history was made last night with the first South Korean film to ever win Best Picture, winning Best Picture. Um, We screamed so loudly that our downstairs neighbor texted us to see if we were okay. Um, We know you don't need to hear this, but if you haven't seen Parasite... See Parasite. Just go see it. It's phenomenal. It's so good. It's fascinating. Um, highly recommend the overinvested episode on Parasite. Don't listen to it unless you've seen it, because that's another one where you don't want to spoil it for yourself. Yeah, but um, I was very, very worried about how these Oscars would turn out, as if the Oscars like mean shit. They, you know, whatever. They're very um, local. Yes, <laughs> per <laughs> Bong Joon Ho, they're local. Um, I was really worried how they would turn out given the nominations, but it seems that people um, did the right thing. Yes. And the two awards that we could have possibly been okay with Joker winning, they won and nothing else. Yeah. I don't even remember who else was up for Best Actor. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Actually, the the guy who I thought it should have been up was uh, the dude from 1917. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio was also up. Oh, he was, yes. Nobody ever wins for the right thing. No. Like, Joaquin Phoenix deserved that for, like, a bajillion other things before the Joker. Like, it, Leo didn't deserve it for The Revenant. He deserved it for, like, everything between What's Eating Gilbert Grape and right before The Revenant. Like... <laughs> I didn't see The Revenant, but, like... Everything that everyone told me about it was like, this movie is not impressive. It's just panic inducing. And it's like, it's like torture porn. Yeah. Which I'm not about. No. And I guess that's kind of what the Joker is too. So the Academy is clearly very about it. Is it called, is it the Joker or is it just Joker? I think it's just Joker. Man, fuck that. I'm calling it the Joker. (laughs) Because it is a joke. Yeah. Fucking Todd Phillips. That was the best part of Bong Joon Ho's acceptance speech. Where he was like, I, "Martin Scorsese, I love you." And then he was like, "Oh yeah, and Sean Mendes and Todd Phillips, you guys are cool too." Yeah, but the thing is, Sean Mendes is like so much more agreeable than Todd Phillips, who's just like a, a, just the worst man. Yeah, but unfortunately, if you're gonna do that whole and all the other you know nominees in this category, I love you. I you would love it. I would love it if people were really honest in their award speeches. Be like, actually. I didn't want any of you to win. Don't yeah. think you deserve it. Yep. Yeah. It was no, my year. I want somebody to go up and be like, Jennifer Lawrence, you're actually terrible at acting. Can't believe you've won this award twice. Oh God, she has, hasn't she? Maybe just once. She won. Did she win supporting for American Hustle? Yeah. And then she won Best Actress for Silver Lake's Playbook. Yes. God damn it. Who <clears throat> thinks she's good? <laughs> the unfortunate thing is, I really enjoy Silver Lining's Playbook, and I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I really enjoyed it. Um, but again, here's the thing. It's like Ford v. Ferrari, which I loved just because something is like well-made and well-acted and like well-done doesn't make it like high art. Like it can be a a decent film Mm -hmm. and it's not worthy of the accolades that it receives. I.E. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, Bradley Cooper's really good in it. She's horrible. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper's so, so good in The Star is Born. Lady Gaga's just okay, but like I'm not asking Lady Gaga to be anything more than Lady Gaga. Bradley Cooper is so damn good in that movie. I I trust you. You gotta see it. I, and I did not want to see A Star is Born. I didn't want to see it, and then I did, and I was like, fuck, it's really good. I, I don't like to feel that way. I don't like to be proven wrong. You know what that makes you? Kind of an asshole. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> anyway, should we talk about Teen Wolf? I suppose we shall. Do we have any more Oscar things to talk about? Go see Parasite. Go see Parasite. Go see 1917. Um, go see all of the movies directed by women this year that were unfortunately not nominated. Please see Hustlers. Please see High Life. Like, I cannot, you know, tell you guys enough to see it. Please see The Farewell. Um, go support the movies that were not given their due. I feel like uh, people have been saying for the last couple of years that we live in a golden age of television, and we do, but I think that movies are having a renaissance. Yeah. 
it's funny that people are like the better the year for movies the worse the academy awards are but the academy awards would not have been near as bad or the nominations wouldn't have been near as bad if the oscars happened in march when they're supposed to Ooh, the first siren huh this one's kind of fun <laughs> no <laughs> here she comes You sleep with your headphones in, so I feel like this probably doesn't bother you as much, but I'll wake up in, like, a cold sweat in the middle of the night when those sirens go on, and I'm like... <gasps> sleep with earplugs. Dying. I get, it hurts my it hurts my ears. The little foamy ones? Have you tried? Have you tried? Oh, earplugs. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't like that. Whatever. Anyway, welcome to the Team Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we're probably going to mention the Oscars a couple times this episode, but... More often than not, we'll be talking about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we're here to chat about Season 2, Episode 5. It's called Venomous. Which I have a lot of thoughts on. Oh my god, we'll get there. <laughs> um, it was written by Nick Anacosta, who has written for Hannibal and other horror TV shows, and Ned Vizzini, who worked on Be More Chill. I have no frame of reference for that, but... The musical? Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um... And directed by Tim Andrew, our good friend. From what I understand, Be More Chill is like Gen Z's Next to Normal. <laughs> Interesting. Not like they're, it, it's, they're not similar in plot, but they're similar in like the audience Fervor. reaction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So f- some familiar faces. Mm-hmm. This is a 24 hour episode. Not a whole lot happens. F- which is so great. Awesome. We were just talking about how episode four tried to pack so much garbageage into it. 50 pounds of shit, five pound bag. Yeah. And this was like, there was, there was more room in the purse. Like you could have, mm-hmm. you know, your keys in a snack fit in there this time. Yes. Um, I, it was like kind of refreshing to watch because I didn't feel like I had to be hanging on every scene. Like I could watch it as a whole, as opposed to like in chunks, um, trying to focus on everything that was happening. And there were some really nice emotional moments as well. Oh, Jackson and Lydia. But we will get there. Yeah. But I thought it was a real true return to form. Like, this episode was very funny, for the most part, and really centered on the kids. Mm-hmm. Which is what makes Teen Wolf good. Yes. Um, do you want to jump into our recap before yeah. we talk about it? Let's do it. All right, Tidy, you're going first, my dude. I sure so. am. Let me a little sip here. Okay, you have a minute on the clock. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, go. Okay, so Jackson's lifting weights in the school locker room in the dark, uh, and Danny walks away to take a shower, and all of a sudden Erica shows up and kidnaps him and takes him to Derek's hideaway, and Derek poisons him with the cannabis venom because he thinks that it might be Jackson, but the theory is that um, snakes can't be poisoned by their own venom, and Jackson is paralyzed, so, oh, it must not be him. Flash forward to school. Uh, lots of shenanigans going on. Jackson overhears that they are going to try and poison Lydia to see if it's her because she is the only other person who's been bitten by an alpha recently. So that just turns into a really odd game of musical chairs in chemistry class where Scott and Styles uh, are really trying to keep Lydia from being poisoned, but it happens anyway and uh, her body doesn't react. So Derek decides that he is going to kill her. Um, Scott tries to reason with him, uh, which is really just a stalling tactic to get... Uh, Allison and Lydia and everybody else out of the school into his house while they're at his house. Um, uh, Lydia and Jackson have this really sweet moment uh, after Jackson yells at her. Uh, Wompity womp womp. Hey, but I was really close and I feel like I was getting a lot. Yes. This episode again though is like it's easier to think about it as a big story as opposed to like and then and then and then and then and then yeah it was cohesive cohesive yes good one team wolf writers you got one all right all right okay hold on are you ready sure three two one go so danny and jackson are lifting weights in the dark and then jackson's trying to lift way too much weight because he thinks he's a, a, a teen wolf and he maybe I don't know and then Danny goes to take a shower and then Erica kidnaps Jackson and then they poison him and they decide that he is not the 
the Canima, but then Isaac is like, you have to clear my name, basically, with the sheriff and change your police statement. And then um, they are trying to test the Canima venom on, in chemistry, and then they, like, eat their lab experiment. Could you imagine eating anything in a chemi- chemistry lab? Nope. And then uh, Erica, like, claws Allison, and then they, f- they decide it's Lydia, who's the Canima, and then Allison and Stiles are like, we can protect ourselves, and then they go to Scott's house, and they're trying to protect everybody, and there's, like, this weird standoff, and then... Jackson asks Lydia for his key back because she thinks that she's the one who edited the footage of his, like, self-tape. And then um, Jackson turns the camera and jumps to the window, and Lydia goes downstairs to be like, what's happening? Proving that she's not the camera. Nice. One one second left. Neat. Um, we did not mention Matt has a little bit of an arc in this episode where he is going through all of his pictures from the lacrosse match and is noticing that... Um, Scott's eyes are laser beams and so he like very creepily just like takes a picture of Scott in the middle of school I guess to prove his theory and both Danny and Matt are working on restoring the footage that was lost Uh from Jackson's big night of the full moon yep um so this week we're gonna talk about uh, this episode through the theme of morality, but we're kind of approaching it a, di- a little differently than you might normally think. We're going to be going through and kind of talking about where all of our characters kind of set their values and how mm-hmm. that differs from everybody else and how that inspires the conflict of this episode. So, Julia, where do you want to start? Um, I feel like this is going to be super on brand, but I want to start with Derek. Yeah, huh? Because we know, we know, <laughs> we know. I love Derek, but um, I think this is a really good episode for him because he's behaving um a little bit more normally, which is odd to say because he's like, I'm gonna kill Lydia, but his rationale for it is that she, uh, if she is the Canima, she is evidently a mindless killing machine who has killed people and will continue to endanger others, mm-hmm. and he is willing to like try and rope Scott into all of this. Like you can, I think very clearly see where he's coming from Mm -hmm. and you might not agree with him, but I think he's presented in a much more sympathetic light in this episode than he has been previously. Yeah. I mean, without thinking about this in like such severe terms, it's a little bit like kind of the idea behind the death penalty Mm -hmm. where it's not necessarily life for a life, but it's the idea that you're taking something out of the world that has put many people in danger. Yes. Um, which I don't agree with, but is framed in the way in this episode that you are supposed to really be considering his side. Because you don't want Lydia to die, obviously, but you also don't want anybody else to die. And mm-hmm. it, the Canima has proved that it can take many lives. It's the trolley um, question. Ah, uh, yes. The trolley question. Yes. Is it better to take the life of one or five? So mm-hmm. there's no real answer there. And that's why this episode I find to be very compelling. Yes. Um, because you... <coughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. I have, like, the worst cough, and I'm really trying not to let that in. Like, we just can't be healthy on this podcast. Like, no. It's illegal. It's, I mean, it's also February. It is. So I and feel like. the weather like has been so shite lately. Wackadoodle. I've been wearing my puffy coat. I haven't been so wearing my much. puffy coat, but it has been just sleeting nonstop for, like, three weeks. Yeah. Not a big, not a big fan. Nope. Um, on the other hand. On the flippity flop. On the flippity-flop. Um, actually, not even on the other hand. While we're talking about Derek, I do want to talk about the betas. Okay. The baby werewolves. Babies. Because they just seem to, like, they're just agents of chaos mm-hmm. in this episode. They don't really seem to be thinking along the same lines as Derek. Like, they're following his orders, but for Erica, it seems to be more like torture fun time with Allison than anything else. It seems that they're taking out the pain that they experienced in their day-to-day lives in high school on people who didn't necessarily inflict it but were complicit in that in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica's plot confuses me deeply because she seems to be under this weird delusion that she can seduce Scott. Which is so bizarre. It's just... Uh, but again, like, men writing Erica are like, well, the hot girl could probably... Da- no, no, no. One, that means you don't understand Scott very well. And two, you don't understand Erica very well. Like, Erica's smarter than that. Yeah, she sure is. Um, and then Isaac, very willing to poison Lydia mm-hmm. and kill her. 
Yeah, I think I what we see with Isaac is he is aligning his morals with the person who he thinks is taking care of him. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Isaac really ever has anybody taking care of him. And if he sees that in Derek, he's over-eager to please. And I think that that ends up being a big part of Isaac's relationship with Derek. And then ultimately, like, their demise in their relationship. Yeah. Um, so Isaac is, like subverting his own moral code in order to impress the moral code of somebody who he thinks he needs to take care of him. Very sad. Yes. I was going through that and I was like, oh my God, this is like the most depressing thing I've ever said. <laughs> but he does it wearing a cool leather jacket. Um, Yes, him and Erica match throughout the episode. They both do the black v-neck and a leather jacket, mm-hmm. which is like, leather jackets make you sweaty. Yeah, and then Boyd shows up wearing a leather jacket too. It's like, Welcome to the pack. Here's your leather jacket. Wear it every day. Yeah. On every day, we wear our leather jacket. Uh, and it's not like, you know, when people in high school wear, like, their varsity jackets or whatever, where you're like, that's <laughs> fucking lame, but okay. Like, it, walking down the hallways wearing matching leather jackets, people would point and laugh. Yeah, like, <laughs> like those this is, that posers. Is, that is not the way to not be bullied. That is the way to be bullied. Do people still say poser? Yeah. Posers. Phonies. Oh, yeah, real phonies. Um, Lots of chaos. Yes. And we talked about chaos a lot last time. I feel like we didn't necessarily talk about chaos last time. We were just like, this is chaos. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I don't really feel... We're still talking about Derek and his baby werewolves. I think it's pretty apparent that, like, Erica is on her own kind of power trip, which we've talked, like... The, the minute amount of power you're able to grab onto in your life, you exercise. Mm-hmm. And she is able now able to grab a lot more power and is exercising it to a degree which I find concerning and also poorly written, but it's also maybe understandable in how little power she had before. Um, so her morals are being suppressed by her like comfort in her new power. Boyd is a different story because, one, he's not really in this episode except for his like weird kind of beatdown with Scott. But I'm it, taller than you. Like, okay. Who, oh yeah, who cares? Um, but it doesn't really seem like Boyd has chosen Derek's side as wholeheartedly as the other babies have. No, he's just kind of there. He seems to just be the muscle of the group, but he like make, a reluctant muscle. I don't think he makes any active choices in this episode um, other than to just back up what Derek has been telling him to do yeah like he'll he'll stand in front of scott and vaguely threaten him and then stand outside of scott's house but like when it comes to breaking and entering it's just isaac and uh erica that do that yeah um although it is i I find it to be interesting that like the one thing boyd really wanted out of this group is friends and then he seems to not really ever be with them and i also find that maybe boyd has and this is conjecture because there's no way we can say this for sure um that boyd has seen what it is like to be with these quote-unquote friends and decided that his own like code of ethics isn't worth sacrificing to be around people like he's learned how to be alone and i think that he can sit there and be like uh, yeah, it is nice having people on my side, and I guess I do fight for them, but I don't necessarily fight for all of their things that I'm fighting for because it's not worth it to me to sacrifice that for myself if I know how to be alone and, like, be okay without them. Yeah, which is so sad. Um, Deeply. <laughs> because I think he probably realized from the jump that he had made a mistake. Like, yeah. Like, he probably... I think said yes to Derek in a moment of like true weakness and then regretted it immediately. And he says, he says, I mean, going back to, um, I think episode three, he says, I want to be like you. Mm -hmm. He wants to be like Scott. Um, and I think maybe he's realizing that he can't do that under like Derek's hand. So a, yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Should we talk about Scott? Yes. Um, we've been talking this whole podcast about how Scott is like on his way to being a true alpha. We got the first little taste of the true alpha mention today. We really do. Um, and this is the first time it's like explicitly mentioned, very expository, where Derek's like, you've got a pack of your own. 
Um, and we get the first kind that of real That was lame, job. right? Oh, super. It was so after-school special. There are a lot of very after-school special aspects of Teen Wolf, and some I'm really willing to forgive, and some I'm like, Ugh. It just wasn't earned after this particular episode, which up until now has been, like, very sad and serious, and he's mm-hmm. like, you're an alpha, Scott, and it's like, okay, dad. Yeah. What I did find very endearing about that moment was, you know, you have the shot zooming out from Scott's porch, and you see him kind of at the forefront, and then Allison and Styles behind him, who had just uh, spent like the last day doing their best to protect Lydia, to protect a member of their pack, all under Scott's leadership, but also taking their own initiative. And so you really start to see their dynamic coming together as like a group of people who are active problem solvers, which I think is just so cool and one mm. of my favorite aspects of Teen Wolf. I know. Because it's like a little bit like Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's very Scooby-Doo. And it's great. And we all love Scooby-Doo. I mean, what is not to love? It's, and instead of a mystery machine, they have Styles' Jeep. Which is so beloved. Is Scott Scooby? <laughs> I guess he's a dog, right? I like distinctly had a, a vision of Scott hanging his head out the window, yeah. like sniffing for a scent. So, yes. Well, yeah. So he's Scooby and Styles is Shaggy. And Jackson is Fred. Yeah. And Lydia is Daphne. And Allison's Velma. It all works. It is all works. Maybe they have that in mind. Maybe. Oh. oh. <laughs> Love that. Like, it works to the point of hair color. It really does. <laughs> Do you know what that makes Liam? Huh? Scrappy-Doo. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, maybe I am excited to talk about season five. I, Liam is the only reason I do love that kid. I like Theo. Um, Theum forever. Theum forever. <laughs> um, what a weird, like, choice for Teen Wolf to not double down on. It was, that was like the one where it's like, well, it's right there. You got rid of his girlfriend. I don't know what's not, I don't know why it is, this isn't it happening. It is right there. It is right there. Um, but we digress. <laughs> Back to, like, morals. Mm-hmm. Back to not Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So Scott... And Derek even, again, there's a lot of weird expository dialogue in this episode where Derek is like, I don't understand why you feel like you have to save everybody, Scott. And like, he's Spider-Man. That's anyway, the whole point. That's the whole point. Scott's a true alpha. He's Spider-Man. He is like he, he can hero. be both. He can be both Scooby-Doo and Spider-Man. That's okay. Yes. And so whilst you understand Derek's point, like you get where Derek's coming from, ultimately you side with Scott because Scott will do literally anything to save a life. Mm-hmm. And as you should, <laughs> as you should, I'm, I'm team Scott all the I'm way team Scott. on that. Um, but I do like, again, not only is it dropping like the crumbs for the true alpha, but it is dropping the crumbs of Scott being bitten in the ass in future seasons for his belief in the goodness of people. Um, so I just think it's, Again, like I hate giving credit to the writers on this show, but like they're doing a good job setting up that eventual reveal for us. I know we dunk on the writers all the time, <laughs> but we do watch this show and love it. So yeah. there's a reason. So yeah, uh, yeah. I think Scott is. We it's it's funny because we were talking um, in our pre-show about how like is the theme of this episode going to be like morality or is it going to be more about moral absolutism, which is what you see in the dichotomy between Derek and Scott. Yes. They are both steadfast in how they think they're going to be handling this situation. And Scott does not want to hear what Derek has to say about like what could be gained by killing Lydia and vice versa. Yeah. I think, you know, and it's interesting though, because we don't really get a chance to see where Scott would fall, at least in this episode, if it turned out that Lydia actually was the Canima. Because the reason that he's trying to stop Derek from killing her, and I think he'd do this anyway, but they don't have proof mm-hmm. that Lydia is for sure 100%. The Canima, uh, Scott throws out that idea of Lydia being immune. So I do think it would have been a completely different moral quandary if it was like 100% confirmed. And we'll see this later on when we know it's Jackson. Yeah. The way that it gets dealt with. And I think the whole idea of like not doing anything without proof is a, is a very frequently used trope for like the hero's dilemma. Um, and it is, in theory, very American. Yeah. I mean, in the way that like 
Our Your justice system, system is quote unquote set up. Just to be, you are innocent until proven guilty. Yes. Our justice system does not actually work like that, but that is a different yeah. podcast. Actually, it's still this podcast. We're always yeah. like, Teen Wolf, but the government. You know, um, and I want to put it out there that I'm sure that the concept of innocent until proven guilty is not like American in origin, but it is something that like gets brought up all the time. It's cop propaganda. It is cop Copaganda. Copaganda, you'll see it in every fucking episode of SVU. There is there is so much copaganda in the United States that people just eat up because it's like serialized. Because procedural. of executive producer Dick Wolf. <laughs> executive producer Dick Wolf. By the way, I looked up that article, guys, and forgive me to the uh, writer at Jezebel who wrote it because it was not vice. Go Jezebel. You rarely get a chance to say go Jezebel, <laughs> but in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anybody else you feel is making like a a moral stand in there this? There isn't episode? an instance um, with Allison that I was like kind of taken aback by, where when her and Styles are um, <gasps> protecting the house, she's like, "I think I need to call my dad," and he's like, "But that would ruin what you have with Scott." And she is so much more invested in being able to save her friend than she is in her relationship that she would rather like incur the wrath of her terrifying family than put Lydia in danger. I made a note of that too, because I thought that was so sweet. It was great. And it was also just like, Allison is such a badass. She is so sturdy. And like, and we, I think, you know, I remember when we did our Harry Potter bonus episode, like mini episode, we talked about her being a Hufflepuff, but for all of the good reasons, like she is so deeply loyal to Lydia that she's willing to sacrifice a great deal of her personal comfort. Yes. Um, and, which is easy to do when it's like death is on the line, but you know what I'm saying. Well, but when you think about how much Lydia and Scott have been through and how much they've sacrificed to keep their relationship intact, the fact that she is willing to give it up in that moment means all the more. Yeah. Um, and I think Allison continues to make choices that she thinks are right morally mm -hmm. and are not always. But this particular moment is very like kind of, I don't know. It's not knight in shining armor, but it's, it's very pure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously like Allison has a big transitional season, mm -hmm. um, in season two, but we're, we're still on very much on her side right now. Uh, She's carrying I, a crossbow to school. I know. Uh, when Scott, when Styles accidentally shoots that the is crossbow so funny. at Scott, I was like, <laughs> this is Teen Wolf in his purest form. Genuinely good. This episode has so many really good, like heavy emotional beats to it and still manages to be tremendously funny. Unlike last episode, which was like her to her to her laugh at death. And you're like, what? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. Return to form. I think it worked well. It, it did. Um, I especially liked all of Allison's interactions with Erica. Um, I mean, I didn't necessarily like Eric as part of those interactions because, again, men writing. Oh, my God. Uh, but I thought that there was something about the way that they were interacting where, like, there was no point where Allison bought into what she was saying about trying no. to seduce Scott. Like, Allison was very much like, okay, you do that. You put your hand on his leg and, and, and I'll watch you. You know, like, her trust in Scott beautiful i mean there's no reason as to why anybody would ever think that scott was gonna go for erica i mean she's a hottie but that's again all the writers did for her so but that reminds me of is it boy meets world with Corey Maybe. and topanga yes okay so love boy meets world i've only seen like bits and pieces of it but they're i feel like this went around tumblr forever where Corey like falls asleep in a bed with another girl because they he was like comforting her or something and topanga walks in and uh, Corey's like, Topanga, like, I swear to you, nothing happened. Like, we just fell asleep. We were talking. She's like, I believe you. And that's it. <laughs> At least for the gift set. I don't know what happens in the rest of the episode, but like that pure trust in someone where you can take them at face value, even for something that like doesn't look good on the outside, the, when the optics are bad, but you can believe someone. Corey and Topanga were relationship goals until she like didn't go to college for him. Yeah. I have problems with <laughs> yeah. that. Fun fact, guys, my mom's name is Corey, so we named my dog Topanga. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, yep. but every time I thought about it, I something else came into my nope, head. No, no, my dog's name is Topanga because my mom's name is Corey. 
I love that. We love it too. I love Topanga. My dog's favorite food is butter. We have to hide it or she will eat it off the counter. That is deeply relatable. It is so cute. I miss her. Send us pictures of your dogs, Wolfpack. Yeah. We'll do like, wait, what if, okay, hold on. <laughs> We're having a, a moment. What? Well, if people submit pictures of their dogs, we could do like a wolf of the week. Yes. Yes. That's yes. exactly. And send we can us post your one, wolf. Send us your wolf. And we'll post it on Twitter, Instagram with your permission, and we'll do just like a wolf of a week. And everybody who sends one, we promise, we'll post your dog, and just everybody gets to gush over how cute your dog is. And obviously the first wolf of the week is going to be Topanga, but <laughs> after that, it's all you guys. Yeah. Topanga will start the trend, but you have to carry it forward. Yes. We fully expect dog pics. We know you have dogs. We know you have dogs. Or cats. Yeah. Yeah. That We can make the cat a wolf of the week. We love a cat. Yeah. Any pet. Your parrot... Your bird? Your lizard. That can be the canima of the week. Your hamster. They keep calling the canima a snake, and I'm like, it has legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not all reptiles is the same. Come on. Yeah. He not a snake. No. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we talk about morality again? Styles doesn't make any true, like, He's very much there to choices. be quippy. He's more there for moral support than moral, like... Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, he's there to be quippy, and I, watching this, I was like, I wish we had more scenes that were just between Allison and Styles. Yes, that's an unexplored dynamic that I think would be really appreciated. And it happens more later on, but mm-hmm. not ever as much as I wanted, wanted it to. Happen. And also, like, in life, like, the as long as people are normal and not, like jealous weirdos like your best friend's gonna be pretty like good friends with your girlfriend yeah and if if they're you're all, not you're all hanging out all the time anyway but also like if your best friend and your girlfriend don't really get along or vice versa um consider them, that you can consider that if someone is the problem and it's probably you <laughs> you're, you're the, the common, common denominator, denominator. <laughs> remember we'll yes. pack you're the common denominator in all of your bad relationships <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. This is cool. We're back to the Christian and Julia advice corner that nobody wants. Therapy with the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Oh, God. I hope not. No. No. We do not provide therapeutic services. No. Can we talk about... Okay, speaking of no morals, we'll get to Matt in a second, but goddamn Mr. Harris is such a big dick bag. He is the worst. He's so Human being. To students. And, like, there's a level of, like, coach being kind of mean to Styles, where it's like a little part of a repartee and like coach we we know that coach loves styles yes. um but mr harris is just a sadistic dirtbag i never had a teacher in high school be that mean i have never seen an adult in a teaching position say anything like calling somebody stupid in the middle of the class. Yeah. And I know people have their interactions with with teachers like that are more personal where the teachers are not very nice to them or say things along those lines. But never, uh, yeah, it would have to be pretty crazy. I mean, I also didn't, you know, go to um, a, a really big school. I didn't go to this, like whatever. My high school experience is singular. But it, yeah, that sounds completely bonkers. Someone would get fired. Actually, wait, now that I'm thinking about it, my choreographer and my choir teacher from high school just got fired for treating us like that. I totally repressed that memory. Yes, teachers are that mean. Holy shit. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but we have had extensive conversations about it the past week. And you were staring at me. I was like, why is she staring at me? And I'm like, oh, wait. Yes, wait emotional abuse. <laughs> cool. But like on the flip side, okay, so here's the thing. Um... There is definitely an epidemic of, like, public school teachers being unnecessarily harsh on, like, students of color um, and, like, disproportionately handing out punishments in those kinds of scenarios. That's not what we're talking about. Um, Like... We're talking about Mr. Harris literally telling Styles he has half a brain. Yep. In front of the whole class. Yeah. Um... Which is, one, ridiculous because Styles is, like, canonically very very smart. smart. And two, it's like, Mr. Harris, is your ego that fragile? Mm Mm-hmm. I have found in most of my life when teachers have been mean to me, it's because they deeply care and I was not performing to their Mm. standards. And I am, that's not an excuse. They should not be mean to me, but it's usually rooted in like good and they don't know how to express themselves properly. Mr. Harris 
is just a dirt bag. And he's never anything other than just being kind of a dick. <laughs> he's never like a big bad. He's never like... He gets ritually sacrificed, sacrificed in season three. for Mostly just for being a dick, I'm pretty sure. Like, ugh. He, I don't, we never see him have any kind of like remorse for any problems he might have caused. Including he the hail fire. So deeply a mediocre white man. Yeah. He radiates it. You know, but do you know what makes it like particularly awful? The glasses. The gla- because they're anime glasses. <laughs> These are anime glasses. They're anime they flashy glasses. Like oh I'm, you're just waiting for that lens flare yep. <laughs> on his glasses because you're like, that's how you know it's a bad character. Yep. Anyway. We didn't really have to talk about his, like, moral stance on, like, killing Lydia, but he is just not very nice. Also, again, I ex- I remember in high school chemistry, we were explicitly not allowed to bring food in the classroom mm-hmm. because that classroom, the chemistry classroom, is full of chemicals. Okay, did those tables seem incredibly small? small? They were so tiny. Like, <laughs> how are you supposed to do work on them? Yeah. I, what? Have any of these people seen a real high school? I don't know. Is that a real, is yeah, that a real classroom? I, I think it was filmed in high school. What's wrong with that high school? I don't know. Um, I remember once there was a really bad polar vortex that like wiped out five days of my senior year of high school, but we like had to go in and take exams eventually. Like we couldn't just take a full week off of school. So we had to go in when it was like minus 20, <laughs> but that was like the warmest it had been in weeks. So we were like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And shorts weather. <laughs> shorts weather in Michigan. <laughs> And my, uh, my chem teacher, Mr. Tyson, who was like a total, like, he was the best. I love Mr. Tyson. He, you know how like there's like Bunsen burners that you put on the table, but then some chemistry tables literally have like gas yes. that you can light. He literally was like, nobody go in the back of the room for the while and turned on every single burner and lit them so we could heat up the classroom to take our exam because it was that cold. What a guy. I know. That could have gone really badly. I know. I think he was monitoring, you know, the fire. He was keeping an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my notes that I wrote down. Those, like, tables were just so insanely small. Yeah, they were tiny. Um, I've kind of moved past morality at this point. I don't know that I have anything else to add, unless you do. Well, we haven't talked about Matt. Oh, I was hoping we'd we didn't have to because he's so fucking gross. He's gross. And this is the f- first episode and it, it's kind of hard for us because we're not watching it for the first time and we already have all of these uh, things that we know about Matt. So it's hard to be objective. But if you were not already guessing that he was a real creep, you know now. He's creepy. He takes pictures of people without them asking and he's not even on the yearbook committee although okay i weird detail i kind of liked is danny's crush on matt yeah not because matt is deserving of having a crush on him but it does when you have a crush on somebody you analyze their like every moments like movements in high school and so danny is kind of doing that to matt and he tells jackson that matt is like he says totally obsessed with Allison and I don't think that Danny understands the weight of what he's saying or how Mm -hmm. accurate it is but you're like I literally wrote down that Danny is the Tiresias of Beacon Hills the whomst? Tiresias Tiresias is like the prophet in the like a Theban place who comes to like forth to tell Oedipus exactly oh my gosh I'm trying to make a point about (laughs) Greek theater (laughs) to tell Oedipus like well, you didn't listen to the prof- to my prophecy before, and now look what happened. You married your mom and killed your dad. So he's just the, I told you so. Yeah, guy. he's also the guy who predicts it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, he's blind. He shows up with like a child who like leads him places. Oh, that sounds familiar now. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping his name really is Tiresias. I think I'm, tr- I think I'm right. Hold on. <laughs> Are you going to check? I, well, I see my copy of the Arrestia, but I don't actually think he's in those plays. So the cute thing about um, Danny having a crush on Matt is that it's there's a really adorable moment between him and Jackson where, you know, you kind of do that thing when you're like, oh, you have a crush on somebody. And, like, Jackson's kind of doing that to Danny. And Danny's like, shut up. And mm-hmm. Jackson kind of, like, you know, brushes it off and laughs. And it's just very cute. You're like, oh, yeah, they're friends. They're friends. They yeah. genuinely like each other. Yep. Which makes up for... The last episode. 
Ugh. Happy we moved past that. Speaking mm-hmm. of moving past things, do you want to move into Q's nose? Yes. Cool. I have kind of a lot. Me too. Cool. Lots of lots of O's. Start 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 with a Q. My Q. Okay. We kind of touched on this, sort of. Um, Isaac is kind of slimy in this episode. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, and I. We've been we've kind of been talking about this. I will always talk about Isaac. Stop. <laughs> do you think it's like a personality change due to his new werewolfism, or is it a byproduct of becoming suddenly more powerful? Because to me, he seems to be acting out of character, although we have not had a lot of time to I, establish a character. What I think we need to consider before we decide it's one of those other things. We also do need to consider that uh, Isaac is going through like a crazy like process of grief. You know, like that had any not occurred to one me. of these things could have been the thing that triggered that deep personality change. And like, we know that like trauma, like can result, like can like show itself in people in like changes of behavior. So like any one of these things could have been it. But like, <coughs> even if Isaac hates his dad, he doesn't really hate his dad because like, that's like the abusive cycle. So I think that being away from it and experiencing that freedom, he may be pushing as far into it as possible, which is making him act that way. I would agree. I think it's hard to connect those two things because similarly to Styles seeing the mechanic get crushed under the hydraulic press of the car. Teen Wolf has never talked about it. Ever. Ever. God. Okay. I remember we forgave the writers like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we take it back. We take it back. Yeah. I just, when I, when I watch Isaac kind of in that uh, vein of like douchebaggery, I'm kind of like, we forgive you because you're hot. <laughs> yeah, we forgive you because, oh, wow. Um, but, like, there's that. Tyler Hackman looked very good in this episode, too. That to be, like. He really, he, I don't he know. really did. I don't know what it was. I mean, the lighting, maybe his hair, I don't know. I think he was just looking a little more clean cut. Yeah, maybe. As opposed to roll scrubby, which he has As opposed been. to making out with teenagers. <laughs> I'm sure that was not his idea. Um I feel like I was going to say something else, and now. I lost. Do you have it. another question? Um, I do, but I feel like you should have a turn. Um, okay. I have a question. Before the end of this episode, did you think that Lydia was the Canama? On a first watch, not now, on, obviously. On a first watch, I think the clues had been dropped heavily enough that I was not convinced mm-hmm. it was Lydia. Um, it just seemed not right based on kind of the timeline of everything that was happening. And I don't think that I was sitting there thinking to myself, ah, yes, must be Jackson. But when it turned out not to be Lydia, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also just because, and I'm sure that this is my own perception and my own biases but I don't think that I would have looked at that uh animal and been like woman fair she well first of all she ain't got no titties first of all men are snakes (laughs) men are snakes but could you imagine a snake with titties Holland but like Holland Roden has like sizable titties so I feel like if she was in a morph suit yeah you you can tell you'd be like wait a minute (laughs) even that lizard doesn't have hips (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Um, okay. Fair. Do you have another question? Yeah. Um, why do we think Jackson changes at the end of this episode? It's not the full moon. Well, he goes to Matt's car. I think there's something about like see the master th- thing that like I think that like Matt can summon him some way. Ah. See, my thought was they do um, the, this thing. They they do do the. I held up just my the hand. hand thing. Yes. Sorry, I forget that this is not a visual medium. No. Sometimes I held up my hand. I actually was kind of wondering if he was changing because he was feeling emotions for Lydia. Maybe that's like the really nice way of putting it. That scene is very touching. It's very tender yeah. um, and poignant. Um, I yeah. got a question. Yeah. Why can nobody read the backwards writing when Lydia's having her freak out at the blackboard? 
I, and they're like, is that Greek? Scott saying, is you that Greek? You are so fucking so dumb. Funny. Oh my God. Why can nobody in the class read it? Um, Because it was a Samsung ad, literally just so that Styles could take a picture of it and do a little mirror flippy thing on his Samsung phone. That's why. I hate you, Teen Wolf. <laughs> the fact that, the fact that, um, first of all, she had to have been standing up there for like a significant period of time to have done all that. And the fact that Finstock did not notice. Uh, often I find that men have no idea what to do when women are in crisis. That's <laughs> so true. That's true. But I just, feel, they, they literally just watch it happen. I feel like he probably would have just like very awkwardly put his hands like not on her shoulders, but like her arms and been like, okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, oh my no. God. <laughs> what? So I was not in this class when this happened. <laughs> my my high school bio teacher told me this story told us a story once where uh his name was mr adams great guy he told us a story where there was like a girl in his class who like had anemia or something and one day she stood up her desk and she was like kind of wobbling and the kid behind her goes hey mr adams i think she's fainting <laughs> <Doesn't> <laughs> do anything. Adams like runs to her and like catches her just in time and like kind of drags her to like there was this little rocking chair by his desk and he's like kind of holding on to her and she wakes up and she's like where am I and he's like you're in my arms and she like freaks out and like jumped out of the chair and he's like sorry you passed out this is not supposed to be a weird moment that is hysterical yeah. and men men did <laughs> sorry Okay, so my friend... I don't know what's funnier. <laughs> I think she's painting or you're in my arms. No, speaking of, like, men not understanding how to, like, react to young women, my friend Becky in high school was, like, late to class, and our assistant principal stopped her and was like, why are you, like, in the hallway? And she looked him dead in the eyes and was like, I had to stuff a tampon. <laughs> said nothing he just let her walk away Dude, i remember once there there were teachers in male teachers at my high school who like tried to implement a no purses rule when you left the room thinking you were i don't know texting you're like dude if i'm taking my purse to the bathroom i need it <laughs> let me just sit here and bleed and bleed on this chair sure i'll do then, it i mean i will <laughs> i'll do it <laughs> Oh God. Anyway. <laughs> um so like your question about why can't anyone read it? I have a similar question. Just kind of like a I cannot believe this is a thing. Why do all of the doors in Scott's house have a chain lock? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. His bedroom has a chain lock. Why? I don't know. I'm sorry. If I have a teenager Privacy is very important. I want to respect their space. But not being able to get into their room, horror story. Yeah. I would never let that happen. Yeah. That's just so odd. Dude. I just wanted to confirm that it was odd. No, that's weird. It's super weird. I never had a lock on my door. I had but a I lock. But I also got pretty used to people just running in my room because I have a lot of siblings. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like is my parents. Is that third siren? Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. Chicago, are you okay? It's a Monday night. I, it's a Monday. <laughs> it's a Monday after the Oscars. Yeah. Um, it's a Monday. Um, I yeah. No, that's weird. Bizarre. And his bathroom does too. But so here's the Your thing. Your bathroom can have a lock. Although you know, when I was working at horse camp, the bat the stalls didn't have locks. Um. I know you're thinking, what, why? There was, like, a system where you said, like, one, two, three, and if you end one, you said one, and if, like, whatever, whoever, whatever stall doesn't get a refrain, you can use that one, and it was, it, it, for the most part, worked. I don't know. Children are always walking in on me in the bathroom, in the shower. I don't know what they were looking for. But it's, like... But the reason why we couldn't have those is because it was, like, a serious safety hazard if anything exactly. were to happen, you know? That's why, like, you shouldn't, your kids shouldn't have a lock on their bathroom, like, any kind of lock on your bathroom door or if they if they do they should know never to use it like well, i use my bathroom lock all the time it was the one room in my house i had a lock and no one was coming in the bathroom while i was in the shower but like if you fell in the shower and you hit your head 
and no one could get into the room. Like that's also, also there was a time that we, uh, went and we were in like a VRBO house and my brother got stuck in the bathroom and could not get out and would not lock the door for bathrooms for years after that. (laughs) Um, and there's some like extenuating circumstances as to why that was so traumatizing, but honestly we couldn't get him out for like 20 minutes because the door was locked and stuck. That's great. So no bathroom locks. No bathroom locks. I think Scott can have a lock in his bathroom. I think that's okay. I just think it's too much. For the most part, you just need a- another way in. You need there to be an extra key. You're yeah, but if you put a chain lock on it, the only you way you shouldn't have a chain no, lock on anything because otherwise you have to like seriously break the door. No, you just have to get a bolt cutter. Those chain locks are very not strong. They're, you could actually do it by you could probably break it by pushing the door hard enough. I mean, it depends. Scott could do it, and I believe Melissa could do it, too. With her bare hands? Yes. I really trust her. Okay. <laughs> anyway, do you have any more Qs or Os? Qs? Do I have any Qs? I don't have any more Qs. Yeah, I have I lots a, of I got a question. Why was this episode so dark? Why did everything happen in the dark? Nobody turned on a single light. Why are Danny and... Uh, they're working out in the dark. They're like going on about how this is dangerous, and I'm like, you know what might make it safer? Being able to see <laughs> when they're in when they're in Scott's house. <clears throat> the fucking werewolves already know they're in there. Yeah, turn just the turn lights the light. Out. Like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. You're not helping yourself. They no. watched you go in. Yeah, dumb. Like dumb. So dumb. Um, you got an observation? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of this episode. Allison shoots an arrow at Erica and she catches it in her hand. And Erica's like, oh, did you really think that would work? And Allison kind of pauses for a minute and she's doing some real good like face. Oh my God, I'm so scared acting. And then uh, Erica like uncurls her hand and you see that it's the canama. And it looks really gross. It looks like snot. It looks disgusting. Um, But then Allison's like, actually, yeah, I thought it did work. Do you know where that comes from? That is stolen from the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, I I've, I wasn't going to say Pirates of the Caribbean because I think it happens a lot. I think that's like, I think that's like, no, dad, I'm throwing away yours. But it's like very iconically in the first Pirates where he's like, you waited for how many years and now you've wasted your shot. And Will Turner's like, he didn't waste it and like throws it in. Like it's so... No, that happens a lot. I did not think of Pirates of the Caribbean. I was like, oh, I do remember that, but I remembered it from something else. I don't remember what, but it was not Pirates. You love Pirates so much that you are just going to be like, that's what it's from. I. That is the most direct reference and callback that I can think of. I don't think it's specifically Pirates. Again, I think it's like, no, Dad, I'm throwing away yours. Well, that's just an iconic, beautiful trope. I don't know. No, it, it's like any made you look. Better example. Um, uh, okay, I have an observation. Yeah. When, uh, when Allison is talking to what's-her-name, the mm-hmm. counselor who's also a French teacher... Ah, uh, Bianca Lawson. I, she's fascinating. She's finally not playing a high schooler, but she's still in the high school show. So <laughs> she career. looks. I if you told me she was twenty five, I'd believe you. Yep. Um, when she's like the Canama seeks a friend, and she goes, uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's lonely, and Allison goes like a teenager. I was like, oh, astute, profound, so sad. Yes, you're so lonely when you're a teenager. Yeah. They all are. Jackson especially in weird ways. Poor boy. I know. He just needs guidance and then found the worst person for it. I just liked that moment. Do you have any other obs? I have two, actually. Um, one, we didn't really talk about this. Lydia has another hallucination in this episode um, of Peter writing on the board and then turning around and he's walking up to her and like throwing desks out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I think... That was a really smart move on the part of the writers because when I think about things that automatically make me incredibly anxious when I'm around men is when they start throwing things mm-hmm. or when they start like aggressively moving things out of their way. Even if it's not specifically directed towards me, that is like danger, Will Robinson, red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the most terrifying things that like men do when they get angry is that they, so they throw shit. Um, so I thought that was really effective. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, okay, so the choice of title for this episode, it's called Venomous. <laughs> and we make all these references to Canem of Venom. And every week on this show, we have to point out that no one on Teen Wolf ever did any research because Venom has to be injected to be effective. Clearly, that is not what happens with the Canem of Venom, or quote-unquote, because Erica touches it and she falls to the ground. Styles touches it when it's on the uh, doorknob. So it's poison. It's poison. They're very different things. Teen Wolf writers not only did not know that, nor would they even consider looking it up. So on one end, I'm like, gosh, they're dumb. And the other end, I'm like, whatever. They, they do they do not care. Like They super do not care. Jackson changes a police statement at the beginning of this episode. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think you're, you're allowed to retract statements, but especially if you didn't make a formal one coming in and telling the sheriff, actually. Yeah. Mm, that's it. Uh, my final observation is, hold on. One, Teen Wolf, do your mental health research. Oh, the fucking Rorschach Rorschach attacks. Ra- oh, I Why? I, have you in your experiences? No. In, nope. No. No, never. Never. No. Not even in a casual situation with someone who's like just now getting to know me. Yeah. Literally never. No. No, because we don't do them anymore. Because nope. they're literally pointless. You can't extrapolate anything from them. They mean nothing. Nope. None. Nobody, again, nobody at Teen Wolf was like, nobody thought to be like, let's, you know, find a counselor and ask what a normal session of therapy is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say it's effective visually, but if you sit there and you think about it for five seconds, you're like, is this you're the like, 1950s? Like, yeah. yeah. Crazy. They're like, next they're going to cut up part of her brain. And they try to. In season five. Uh, and then I just really, really liked the, um, uh, Lydia, Derek, not Derek, whoa. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Wow, Definitely weird. not. <laughs> Lydia and Jackson scene at the end. Like, they clearly, like, I like when we can reaffirm why they were together for so long, because sometimes you're just kind of like, these people are, are horrible for each other, and, like, to see that is very, like, compelling and honest. And it was really genuine and really, really sad when she gave him the key. The up-close mm. titty shot I could have done without, but whatever. Oh. Well, I think it was particularly important because we haven't really seen Jackson be remorseful for the way that he's treated her this whole season. And when she says, I hate you, and he takes a step towards her, and he looks so, so sad, and he says, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. That was, like, heartbreaking because you know that he feels terrible about the way that he's treated her, and he doesn't know why he's acting the way that he is. Yeah. And so to have that moment, yeah, reaffirming is is a good way to put it. Yep. Should we do pack stats? We shall. Um, this episode, there were no shirts off. Boo. Yeah, wh- I mean, what is this? Come on, Tina. This is MTV. Why are we here? Um, for the titty window. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, we didn't even get that in Star Trek. No. Um, two claws. Yes. One Erica claw. In, like, a really, a really gross scene. A gross scene... It, I, it felt like they were trying to make it homoerotic, but it was mostly just uncomfortable. I lied. Three claws. Oh. Because uh, Isaac does the locker thing, which I thought was particularly gross. And then we see the cannabis claws when he puts his hand Oh, is that when he window. scratches the locker? Yeah. It is gross, but I also kind of like that No, part. it's it's hot, but yeah. it's gross. Yeah. Um, and but then we Erica had... stabbing Allison's leg. <laughs> yeah, and her... They were like, girl fight. It'll be hot. And I was like, I hate hate men yeah and um look i'm just gonna say it girl werewolf claws not hot boy werewolf claws none of the claws are hot like it's the claws are not hot they're gross no plus girls already have long fingernails yeah (laughs) yeah um four eyes so we're really picking up in like the claws and eyes. Well, that's because there are exponentially more werewolves. Yeah, I mean, than like, there were in season one. <laughs> there's there's more claws and eyes to go around. Yes, um, and then two ads. We had a Samsung, which we've already discussed. The only reason that they had people not understand, someone help me, uh, was because they wanted to show us their cute little Samsung phone. And I literally was sitting there being like, "Does Samsung still make phones?" Like, yeah, they they do. They do. They're very popular. Yep, an Adidas ad. Jackson's wearing Adidas when they're lifting. Yeah, I think he might also be wearing Adidas in the final scene, too, like that white jacket. Sure. Um, but I was not paying close enough attention. So, 
Um, those are the pack stats. Do you have an alpha of the week? Uh, it's Allison. Hmm. She she does the most heroic stuff. She's like kind of willing to sacrifice the most, I think, personally, and then also is the one who gets rid of Erica. And she is like basically the one who's like, I don't need you. I can protect this pack too, like with my own, you know, abilities. I'd have to say Scott. He shows up at the end and like saves the day, kind of. Yes, but I also think that his um, going to talk to Derek and then the distraction, like, I it's not the way that it's kind of been before, where it's like Styles comes up with the plan and then Scott does it. I think Scott had an active part mm-hmm. in coming up with that plan, so I think he's like learning. He and, used his noodle. Yeah, he's getting skills to become a leader and to like be the head of his pack. So. Um, kudos to Scott. Mm-hmm. Love him. Great. Love it. All right, you guys, this about wraps up our episode on season two, episode five. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. And you can follow us at Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. Uh, it's basically just our episode feed, but I, I don't know. I keep promising to like do stuff on the Tumblr. We'll see. Uh, If you want to follow any of our personal Twitters or Instagrams, you can do that from those pages. Uh, If you would like to listen to our newest bonus episode, we just released one on the 09 Star Trek movie. We're very proud of it. Both of us are huge Trekkies. That was a joy for us to do. And then later in the month, we'll be doing a bonus episode on Disney's Miracle. Yes. Yeah, we're excited. Send us pictures of your dogs. Send us pictures of your dogs. We're going to do Wolves of the Week or your pets. Your pets. Full stop. Your pets. Uh, we're going to do Wolves of the Week on Twitter. I think that was a fun a fun idea, and uh, I please hold us to it. Other than that, we love you guys, and we hope you have a Wolf of a Week. Awoo! Hi there, I'm Margot. And I'm Emily. And together, we host Old Millennials, a podcast that brings you a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. Every week, we take a topic from our millennial childhood and deep dive on its most shallow aspect with some personal stories along the way. Anything you deeply cared about 20 years ago, from the Spice Girls to boy bands, from the OC to Degrassi, and of course, some MTV reality shows, we cover it. Come reminisce with us. You can listen to and download our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Old Millennials Pod. Thanks. Thanks. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.